0: Hi, I'm Larissa and welcome to Imaginal Cells. Each episode, we interview transformational business leaders who are proving that businesses can be a force for good in the world. During the first few episodes, we'll be collaborating and chatting with inspirational business leaders about their purpose and values and how they've been impacted during this time of change and uncertainty brought about by the pandemic. We'll talk about the challenges they faced and how they've stayed motivated and what they've learned along the way. Today, we are speaking with Dorothy Spence, the founder of Imaginal Ventures. Dorothy shares with us the origin story of how Imaginal came to be. We take a really deep dive into all that sits behind Imaginal Ventures, the methodology, the operating system, the team. She shares with us her passion for building businesses from the inside out, a human-centric design. We'll talk about the importance of making conscious choices and the impact it will have on your business. And of course, the importance of the alignment of personal values and purpose and that with the business. Join us for the conversation. Well, welcome, Dorothy. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Well, thank you for the invitation, Larissa.
0: Always a pleasure. So, Dorothy, tell me a little bit about Imaginal Ventures and how you got
1: started. Uh, Imaginal Ventures was really started out of An opportunity that I could see in the market. It was about four years ago, I was uh, doing a training and I was doing trends of the industry. And the industry that I specifically looked at was something called conscious business. And when I went through that process and I looked at the past, conscious business was really a bunch of hippies like uh, Yvonne Chouinard with Patagonia or Ben and Jerry And then when I looked at today, and this was four years ago, so today is really not today anymore. And when I looked at today, I really saw a lot of purpose-led businesses. And they were businesses that I was working with in our business advisory service. And those businesses were great. Their leaders were courageous. They had big visions. But one of the things that I noticed is as they kept going in their business, they really started losing steam. And so I thought that, well, that was an interesting problem. And the other thing that I noticed in the uh, conscious business trends was a big emphasis on mindfulness, consciousness. There was much more of an emphasis on corporate social responsibility. And there was starting to be that shift in how did we look at the purpose of a business? And then when I looked at future trends... What I saw was a workforce that was really shifting to be more millennials and Gen Z with a completely different value set than the people that were currently in the workforce. I saw a lot of the shared economy, and I saw a lot more around collaboration. And I thought, well, wouldn't this be cool? <laughs> I always remember every time I think, wouldn't this be cool? Or What if we put a group of these businesses together? so that they learned as a collective and that they were able to support each other. And so I looked around and I knew from my previous work experience that these systems and structures and processes and approach didn't exist in the market. And so I thought, I could do that. Of course you could. (laughs) And there it was, the beginning.
0: Excellent. So there it was. So tell me more. So what did you do?
1: Well, what I first did was I really, as a practitioner, I had a whole bunch of opinions about what there it was was. But I really felt I needed to validate that with some market research, which I usually don't do. And so I found one group in particular, EY, had just released a really big study of global leaders around the world And they had published this in the Harvard Business Review. And the name of the publication was um, Purpose Driven Transformation. And when I looked at the data and the research, it once again validated what I had said as a practitioner that I knew uh, really validated that gap in the market, that most of these businesses wanted to be purpose driven. And they realized the value of a human centric design in their organizations. And the biggest gap that they identified was these operating models, that these operating models were not the traditional way that businesses think about how they design and organize themselves and in particular, how they integrate the people part into their business. So I said, well, there it is again. And it's actually published in the Harvard Business Review.
0: So you talk a little bit about human-centric design. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what that means to you and to Imaginal Ventures?
1: Sure. I call it from the inside out that instead of traditional businesses are really designed typically from what I call the outside in. So they look at the market, competitors are in the market, SWOT analysis, risk assessments, and then they bring that information in and have a look at it in terms of how they make choices on who they are. And I believe that these new operating models, that just does not work. That this has to be much more of a sustainable, organic, energetic core that needs to be different. So the inside out means that it has to actually start with the purpose and the values. And that is usually the purpose and the values of the founder or founders. And from there, it actually moves out into the business structures.
0: So you talk about operating models. And I know that with Imaginal Ventures, you've created the Conscious Business Operating System. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like and how you designed that?
1: Sure. So once again, it's this, what we say, human-centric design. So one of the things that we have noticed as practitioners is that what is actually the factor that most affects the design of an organization is the dynamics between the people who are working in the organization. And there's some pretty predictable times and numbers of people that those dynamics really start to shift. And they are actually map out really well with what are the business processes and structures, which we call the business mechanics. So what we set out to design was a system that integrated those human dynamics in with the business mechanics and a way of understanding how you allocate resources across those systems, the business mechanics systems as well as the human dynamics. And by doing that, what you land end up building is what we call an asset in the business because the, the businesses that we love working with are small, medium-sized enterprises. And they're a different beast than large corporations. And so most of them have actually an orientation towards profit and loss. So when we introduce the concept of a human dynamics asset system, it's really something that catches their attention. Because usually when these businesses pay attention to people, it's in a time of crisis. Because what they'll typically say is, you know, I'm, I'll pay attention to the people in the business when we get funded, or when we have more time. But the reality is, is what happens is they pay attention to the people in the business when there's a crisis. Mm -hmm. And typically that crisis is a key wrong hire, a toxic culture getting built within the business. So then when they're paying attention in that environment, it's very reactive. And it's not the best way to make what we call conscious choices on how they operate. So you talk about
0: toxic culture that can be created. And I know that we speak about culture being created on purpose or with conscious choices as opposed to by default. Can you share a little bit more about that within an organization?
1: Mm -hmm. You know, we're just finishing off our, I think, seventh or eighth cohort of the Purpose Led Business School And we were actually just having this conversation this morning. And we were giving lots of examples of default. And I asked everybody, I said, okay, let's be honest. Raise your hand if you have ever kept a person in your business for what we call commercial reasons. So they brought something unique to the business. Their performance really had an impact in terms of the business of the business, but they weren't a fit and i was included in raising my hand so every single person in the school today said that that is something that they did so then we took a deeper dive into okay so what happens when we ignore people who are not the right cultural uh, you know as our friends at P4G would say cultural contributors mm-hmm. and and every person in the school today told a story of how much it actually had an impact in the long term, looking back, how much it stalled out the business, how much other key players in the business left because it wasn't paid attention to. And they began to realize that when you ignore something, it actually becomes a culture. And that's a kind of a new thing for people to wake up to that, oh, wow, I really have to stay aware and really consciously shape that climate that we want to have sitting within our business. So you're I know you're
0: growing a team at Imaginal Ventures. How have you consciously designed the culture or the climate with your team at Imaginal?
1: Yeah, one of the key things that I'm very clear on is that I want to practice what we teach Mm -hmm. and what we preach. So we are extremely discerning. So we have held a context of discernment for our hires for the last two years. And we have an expectation that everybody joining the team is going to be self-responsible. And that is such a key thing to do in an organization if you want to grow in the way that we have an ambition to grow and in a way that we tell our clients it's possible to grow, because that will actually help us have a bigger impact and it will really accelerate our growth. So the first conversation is about this concept of self-responsibility and then really taking a deep dive into it, because on the surface, that sounds glorious. It sounds sounds wonderful, right? It sounds fabulous. Why wouldn't I join a company that's going to treat me like an adult rather than going into a hierarchical command and control, parent-child kind of relationship? But the reality is that these types of organizations actually require a lot of structure. And so it's particularly challenging for the small, medium-sized businesses that we work in. Because they think that, okay, I'm really cool, I'm a purpose-driven organization, we're trying to save the world, everybody wants to work with us, and initially that is definitely the case, but they haven't thought through, okay, if we're going to have these self-responsible people, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What are the systems and structures that we have to put in place in order to make sure that, that, that we just don't fall into chaos? So our observations and that you know what we have seen is that if you actually don't have that strong container for people it just dissolves into chaos. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: you go in and you're able to help create that container, help right. teams create that container. Right.
1: And then we work as a team to create the container within uh, Imaginal Ventures.
0: I'm going to switch gears just for a little bit, and then we can come back to that. So you mentioned the uh, Purpose-Led Business School that you were running this morning, and I know you've been running it over the last eight weeks. Can you tell us a little bit about what that's all about? Sure.
1: Um, This was the beginning of creating the Conscious Business Operating System. So I decided that, okay, this was a really good idea. I saw the gap in the market. So I always thought it would be good to bring these people together if I wanted them to learn and grow together. Well, why don't I create a training or an experience where they're all coming together and learning together? So we call that the Purpose Business School. Then I invited the co-creator of the Conscious Business Operating System, Suki, our partner who's over in London, to uh, come over and help me because I needed a curriculum and I really needed to design this out. Because in my mind, it was obvious that I could do it, but putting a few bullets on a piece of paper <laughs> <No>. <laughs> didn't create the <laughs> curriculum. It turns out. So um, Suki came over and we started running this and uh, we experimented in many, many places in many ways. This is pre COVID of course, where people would go away into a retreat setting with us for five days and really have a deep personal transformational experience. Since then, in the last year, we of course had to transform what we were doing Mm -hmm. because of COVID. And because of COVID, not only do we have to transform what we were doing, but we needed to address what our clients were going through. So uh, we redesigned the the Purpose-Led Business School to become what we call the Imaginal School now. And it's really focused on what we're calling this human dynamic asset system. And, uh, and then how do you integrate that into your business and your business structures and processes? And I would say it has been fabulous. The way it was designed was really beautiful and incredible. It's given these leaders very pragmatic, specific tools and a lot of confidence to do the work that the world is asking them to do. So there's been a big shift in the last year. The need for business to be more conscious has absolutely exploded. And there's been an acknowledgement that however we come out of this uh, pandemic is going to require a complete rethink of the way we do business and seeking new operating models for that.
0: And when you talk about um, businesses being more conscious, what does that mean?
1: One of the things that we refer to is this concept of conscious choice. And one of the, um, you know, kind of one of the activities or the exercises that really helps embed that with the clients that we work in is we get them to think of a time in their life and in their business where they have actually made a conscious choice to do something. So it's whether they made a a conscious choice and a plan to grow or to do a, a certain new product development or, a way of creating the culture that they wanted in their business. And then we got them to look at what we call peaks and valleys in their business life. And we got them to look at the valleys and see what happened in those valleys. Like why were those considered low points in the business? And was it, can you trace back when you made a choice and was it a choice that was done out of habit or reaction, or was it something that you actually thought through, you were proactive on it and you created a plan. And then we asked them to look at what was the impact of the difference between a conscious choice and this unconscious choice. And what were the behaviors that came out in terms of how the business behaved or the people in the business behaved. And I can tell you by going through that type of an exercise, That all of these business leaders sit back and go, wow, I had no idea that actually putting the thought and the planning into the business had such a big impact on the behavior that we eventually saw in the business. So I I would say another way of of looking at it or thinking about it is planned or unplanned. Mm -hmm. Now, plans will never go according to the plans, but at least you are responding from a plan. So you have actually put your mind to there and you've thought through what is it that I need to do? What are going to be the consequences of the choices that we're making? And that allows you much more rapidly to respond and react to different changes that inevitably happen in a business compared to constantly being in a reactive state. Right. Constantly in the firefighting. Oh my God, this is going on today. Crisis mode, reactionary. It creates a completely different cultures and climates in the businesses. In the
0: business. And you mentioned COVID. So obviously that's been a global pandemic, obviously for, for businesses and people all over the world. How have you at Imaginal Ventures found that you've been able to use the Conscious Business Operating System and all the tools and frameworks that you use with your clients to help you get through or manage the pandemic this year?
1: Hmm. I don't know if any of it's in the Conscious Business Operating System. (laughs) I think this is a call to all of us to be much more gentle and caring first on ourselves and then on other people. And the observations that I have with the business leaders that we work with is whatever tendencies were in your minds Mm -hmm. have really gotten magnified. I mean, this has created a whole level of fear, a whole environment. We're swimming in a much, much deeper, muddier water of fear, of fear of the unknown, the unpredictable nature of a pandemic. So really encouraging people to connect stay connected with themselves, with their loved ones, take care of themselves, more compassion. And we have also noticed people's ability to digest new ideas and information has significantly decreased. So that the impact that that's had on our business is um, a complete rethink and redesign on how we deliver either trainings or our advisory services. How can we put that more online in smaller chunks that people can digest it in their own time and environments where they want to digest it? So it's had a pretty significant impact on us. But I would say just we just keep encouraging people to be gentle on themselves, kind and self-care.
0: How is your team? How do you feel the team has been able to manage through the uh, pandemic? Because I know we've been growing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's once again, it's really different depending on where the team members live. So most of us live here in Halifax. and we've been extremely fortunate. I keep saying the genie didn't come out of the bottle in Halifax. So we've had very, very low COVID numbers. So the fear isn't as thick here. Mm-hmm. Um, but Suki that I mentioned before is living in London, England, and it's really it's really, uh, you know, really affected, that people in London and we have clients in Europe also, which are saying the same thing. You know, they their children that are, are at home and studying, and they're expected to work full time and grow a business, and it's just been really challenging. So I would say for our team, the ones that live in Halifax, we're really fortunate. We're able to get together and have the occasional TGIF uh, or lunch <laughs> together, and. We're we're all really grateful for it because we see how hungry people are for having that experience that they can't have. That human connection. That human connection. Yeah.
0: What are your founders that you're working with? What are they asking for during this time of COVID, this global pandemic?
1: Most of them, the ones that I'm working with right now are fundraising. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah. Which has not been that great during COVID. Right. <laughs> So uh, that's the other thing that I've seen is that all of the fundraising efforts have really slowed down. Due diligence processes were always quite dependent on meeting in person. So investors are asking a lot more questions. There's a lot more due diligence and micromanagement of the due diligence process because they're trying to get more comfortable in a new environment that they're not used to operating under so it's been very stressful for a lot of the clients in particular that I work for because most of them haven't been able to close their funding rounds and that they've been working on for a year. The word drought <laughs> comes up a lot <laughs> and it's um but it seems like it's loosening up. So I would say it's feeling more optimistic lately things seem to be moving a little bit more. I mean, there's a lot of capital out there in the world and it's looking for a place to invest. Mm -hmm. It's just really trying to connect these really fabulous companies with these sources of capital.
0: So you were saying a little bit earlier that uh, people's attention spans have even changed and really just being able to get those digestible pieces of information to them. And obviously being Traditionally, being an advisory services firm, everything was in person, and you've now had to go online to run the imaginal school, to do the advisory services. What else have you had to do or have you chosen to do to be able to get this information to those who need to have us?
1: The big thing that we did in this past year, we're really fortunate that we had already had our plans in place to move our operating system online onto a platform so that we could create even bigger ecosystems globally. So when I I was away on a nice long trip last winter, so when I got back from India on March 2nd, the funding was in place. So we we were very fortunate at Imaginal because we had all of our plans in place, the people to deliver it, the funding in place, so that we could just take this opportunity to focus on building out this platform. So that's what we've been doing for the last year. We recognize that training advisors takes a long time. It's um, just takes a long time to learn the methodology and to be competent and confident in, in doing that. And that's not how I had a vision of growing the business. That was the least of my interest areas. And I always had this idea about a platform. And anybody who knows me, especially my husband and coworkers like you, Larissa, are so sick of me saying the word <laughs> platform. <laughs> I've been talking about a platform for four years now uh, because I really feel like that's the way that we can make it accessible, affordable, and the way that we can scale and leverage and really impact the, the world, which is what our ambition is.
0: Fabulous. So can you tell me more about the platform or at least share with our listeners?
1: Sure. Yeah. So at the center of the platform is this conscious business operating system. So we specifically work with businesses that are scaling up. And what we say is we teach them how to avoid the failures that are typical of rapid growth. So when we created the platform, what we said was the first thing we have to do is we have to show them how to design their business using this operating system. So they go into the design room and they, they learn about the concept and they learn what they need to know about designing that part of their operating system. Then they go into what we call the development room where they have a strategy playbook and they develop out their strategy for that part of their operating system. That's where they start prototyping and, uh, and really engaging with their team so that everybody is building this together. Then they go into the deployment room where they start to train both internally and externally and manage the projects. And then they go into my favorite room, which is the ecosystem room. Because I feel that this ecosystem room is really where the ecosystem is going to learn to grow and learn together. So we offer this for free to anybody to come in to get these beautiful resources from all kinds of partners and collaborators from around the world, as well as our resources. And they get an opportunity to engage in the material and start to consider these new operating models that are emerging in the world. And the ecosystem room is really important also for creating this ecosystem. So we have, uh, this year, we're rolling out two specific cohorts that we're very targeted with and, we're getting lots of support to help us with this. And the first cohort we're launching in June is the Women Technology Ecosystem. And the second cohort that we're launching in September is the Social Impact Ecosystem. So it's not just the operating system, it's all these both funders, whether they're family offices, venture funds, angel funds, Uh, equity crowdsourcing platforms, whether it's the advisors or the mentors who typically advise and mentor these fast-growing companies, or whether it's the founders themselves. We're bringing them all together onto this platform in this ecosystem so that they can scale together.
0: It's exciting. Really exciting, isn't it?
1: It's really exciting. Either that or it's a really crazy idea. I'm not sure which.
0: (laughs) Could be a little bit of both. (laughs) I think it it
1: has to be a little bit of both.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Can you share with us the vision of Imaginal Ventures? And I'm going to just back up and say that I know as a team, we went away and created a shared vision, which was really important.
1: So when I, you know, had this eureka moment, On this training, this vision was still very much me. So this was a way of me having income, having clients. It was really easy. I have a good reputation. The word of mouth is really the way that clients came to me. Great results with clients. So lots of clients had at least doubling of the revenue, their profit, the valuation of their business. So easy street. Easy peasy. And then I got this crazy idea that actually, what is really important for what I call real prosperity is to share the knowledge that you have. And I just kept thinking, wouldn't a lot of companies around the world like to have this? So I knew in order to create that, that the me had to shift to we. So it was a painful shift, which Larissa, you know about, because you were the first person that came into Imaginal Ventures. And made us we. And made us we. Kind of. Me, <laughs>
0: kind right? of. We. Right. <laughs> <A> hybrid.
1: <laughs> so we continued along adding more and more team members. And then just uh, recently, we all came to the realization that I had created the vision, which I thought was sterling. <laughs> <laughs> had great resource allocation and you know, really could trace that out on the roadmap and very clear to me. And what I realized is I was going through exactly what our founders go through too, that this, unless this became a shared vision, that this was just not going to have the legs that it needed to have. So we came together as a team. Like I said, we're really fortunate. We were able to come together in person And we created a shared vision. So I actually facilitated the process and didn't contribute. That's right. (laughs) It was really exciting. It was really exciting. And the ideas that came out for the shared vision were much better than the very stark, (laughs) (laughs) sterile (laughs) things that I created in my own mind. (laughs) It's the power of the team. So...
0: Dorothy, I love, love, love when you tell the story of imaginal cells. So this podcast is called Imaginal Cells. So can you tell that story?
1: Sure. All right. So I was sitting in a training room in Manchester in the UK, and I was doing training on the Barrett's value system. And our trainer, his beautiful man named Patrick, was from Belgium. And he had this He had the floor all covered with scotch tape representing levels of consciousness, which I was totally geeking out on. And I just kept thinking, you know, I can't call the business D. Spence Consulting anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That it just wasn't the right name that could hold the ambition that I had for it and the vision that I had for it. So that was a thought in my mind as he's starting to teach us some things. So he started telling this story about how he got brain cancer and how he had six kids and a wife at home. And, and he's standing on these levels of consciousness that are taped to the floor. And he's telling this story and he starts telling this story about an imaginal cell. Well, as soon as he said the word imaginal cell, my mind stopped. I'm like screeched to a halt. And I thought, What is he talking about? An imaginal cell, what is that? And he started telling the story that an imaginal cell is a cell that's in a caterpillar. And it actually vibrates at a different frequency than most of the DNA in the caterpillar. And what the immune system tries to do is kill off that imaginal cell. And I'm sitting there thinking, whoa, this is so cool. And then he he talks about um, then the when the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, that it's when these imaginal cells come together that it creates the butterfly, which is a completely different structure than a caterpillar. And it's only because of these higher vibrating frequency cells coming together that this new possibility creates. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's what I'm trying to create. That's what I'm trying to create with bringing all of these individual purpose-led businesses together to create something completely different it's you know it's a bunch of butterflies and so he was telling this very personal story about how he realized in his life the 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 power of these imaginal cells and and the shifts that he had to make in his life and by the way so then he went into remission and everything but and I'm really happy because he's a real gift to the world but I was really struck by that I thought this is this is it it's this is what we're doing. We're, we're bringing these, these purpose driven businesses that vibrate at a different frequency than traditional businesses together. Um, they're going through this process of transformation and reemerging as a collective as a butterfly. So I thought, what a perfect story and what a perfect name.
0: That's beautiful. I love that story.
1: Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Marissa.
0: So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about the roadmap. So you mentioned that a little bit earlier, just referring to, you know, the journey that businesses go on a roadmap. Can you just take us through that?
1: Sure. Suki and I decided that we needed to create a map of the journey that these founders go through when they've integrated the human dynamics in with the business mechanics Another thing you could call it is when they have really integrated the profit and the people orientation together. Because one of the things that we know about with traditional businesses is when they start with a strong revenue profit motive, which is fine, but it eventually has to flip into a focus on the people or else the business just won't make it. And the opposite is true when you have a really strong people, social cause, movement type of purpose, and then uh, eventually the business has to shift with more of a focus on gross margins and cost of goods sold and getting revenue in the door. And that's really uncomfortable for most founders and that's actually when they leave,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: is when they see the requirements of the business needs to shift. So one of the things that we said was, well, as practitioners, we've actually seen what happens when you hold that higher context, when you hold that context of, you know, why are we in business? So the context of purpose, and then you look back down on the roadmap to the beginning of the journey. So what we mapped out was what does this journey look like when you've integrated the people and the you know, we call it business mechanics or the profits together. So the beginning of the journey is, uh, the phase of startup and in this startup phase, it's really the energy of the founder of founders. So we talk about most of the energy in the business, the ideas, the product ideas, the networks, the resources are what the founder of founders bring into the business. And then there might be a small amount of energy from other people who have joined as a team. As the business continues to grow, then the context changes to one of alignment because you're bringing in more and more team members. So you want to bring in aligned team members to the purpose and the values that were part of the origin story of the business. And when you do that, you create a sense of belonging. So the energy shifts from determined in startup to one of belonging. So this is a pretty typical journey in in kind of business speak. We call it, this is when businesses are figuring out their product market fit, when they typically are bringing in their first rounds of funding, uh, when they're bringing on the key founding team members. So, okay, we have that stage growth now, things as they continue to grow, and add more people because we believe it's the number of people, as I mentioned before, who Mm -hmm. affects the design of the business. Then we get into the third phase of growth, which we call traction. So they're either getting traction or there's so much friction that it's blowing up and what's required at this phase of growth, by the way, it's a very chaotic growth when there's lots of choices to be made. There's lots of opportunities sitting there in front of the business. And this is when you have to have the energy of the founder going alongside and integrated in with the energy of the team. So integrated systems, and the feeling is very calm. Now, look, I've worked with lots of startups or scale-ups as we call them, where there was nothing calm about the energy, it was completely chaotic. And then we've actually worked with scale-ups at this phase of growth when they are putting the systems in place, Mm They know what to do. They know how to allocate resources. They know what conscious choices they have to make. And they're so focused and they're so calm. It's unbelievable. Like this is, this is why we have so many word of mouth referrals because they say things like, I don't know how, you know, such and such does it. But if you can do the same thing in my business to create that nice calm in the business as they're going through rapid growth, that's what I want. I want to be just like them and they stand for something. It has purpose and meaning. Like mm-hmm. there's lots of energy in the business. So that's the third phase of growth and then the fourth fourth phase of growth which is really pivotal. This is would be more analogous to the cocoon of the butterfly phase. This is the real transformational phase. This is what we call trusted leadership. And some of the conditions of trusted leadership is when you have built the collective capability in the business so that the energy of the business is actually the the biggest force. It's a sustainable, self-propelled, natural energy that exists because the founder has been able to let go and a leadership team has been able to step up. From that, we go on to what we call sustainable growth where you really start to deeply imprint the purpose and values into the business. So this is a point where it's not just everybody knows what you're about but everybody who you do business with. So you're starting to influence your partners, your suppliers, you're starting to influence different channels around the world. So this is where there's a sustaining there's it's it's just it can go on its own that you've built before in trusted leadership. And the next one is what what we call the next phase is what we call scalable impact. This is when there's networks of networks of like-minded people. This is the ecosystem mm-hmm. stuff. This is where you can really make start to make a difference globally. This is where there's a coalescing of the same types of principles and philosophies on and the reason why businesses exist like-minded people, common language. And then the final phase is what we call legacy. And this is when the founder has the ability to just step back. And they've typically created like a foundation, something that represents their personal purpose, the reason why they started the business. And it's really starting to be much more outside of the energy of the business because the, the business has matured. It's typically grown around the world, and this is something that the founder does that has a focus more on a service to humanity and much more of a global impact. If you could,
0: probably not an easy question, but what advice would you um, give to others who are looking to consciously design their business? What would be just one piece of
1: advice? Start with your purpose and values. That the purpose and values of you as a founder will influence pretty much everything. That your purpose is your North Star. It will always be something that you can go back to. It's the energetic core of the business. It creates a sustainable, renewable energy in the business. And the values I like to call the navigation guides. So it's just, you know, when you need to course correct When you need to make big choices and little choices in the business, you have a way to go back and say, you know, what is it? What is it that holds meaning and purpose? And how can I use these values to guide the growth of the business? So I would say spend a lot of time getting to know yourself. Mm -hmm. And therefore, what is that expression of your personal purpose and values into the business? And how are they aligned? And how can you create space for other people to be aligned and clear about their personal purpose and how to align that to the business purpose and values? So, Dorothy, you were
0: just talking about the advice that you would give to a business about starting with their personal purpose and values, the founders, and then also, you know, building building the business's purpose and values. Can you share your
1: personal purpose and values? Oh, I'd love to. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to step back for a second and tell a little bit of a story. Of course. I first started doing this work, I think it was 12, 13 years ago. Um, When I was studying yoga, which I still do, with my yoga teacher, Rod Stryker, and he ran a program called the Yoga Freedom, and it was based on a book of his that was just about to come out called Four Desires. So I have spent a lot of time in this inquiry, to be clear. <laughs> I feel like my purpose is to help people figure out their purpose. Um, and in the, the reason why I spent so much time and investment, cash, in this inquiry is because I think it's kind of like our ultimate question. It was a question that I, I remember asking myself when I was four years old. Like, what is this about? Why do I exist? What's my purpose? Probably didn't say it in those words, but I remember the feeling of that inquiry. So I, when I started, my purpose was kind of in a general area, and I have done this process every year since. And I have also taught this process in a modified form to business leaders at least, at least 30, 40 times. So at least a couple times of year, a couple times of year, I go through this this uh, process, whether I'm teaching it or doing it myself. And so, um, so I'm really excited when somebody asks me about that. So my purpose is to transmute consciousness through energy alchemy. Now, what does that mean? Well, it may not mean anything to anybody else, but for me, it holds a lot of meaning. Because I believe that this whole exploring this frontier of consciousness is the next big uh, endeavor that as a humanity, we need to go through. Like, what is consciousness? and, And what is it? What does it mean to transmute it? Because I think what's going on right now in the world is we're transmuting consciousness. It's called a pandemic. But we've all been asked to pull inside, to stay home and to look at ourselves. And this whole notion of energy alchemy is fascinating to me too, because I believe that any good alchemist is able to take to take any base metals and turn it into gold. And to me, gold is what I call real prosperity. And real prosperity is having prosperity starting from the inside of you and then getting expressed to the outer world. So, There's lots of reasons why this purpose really is so, I'm so passionate about it. And I constantly use it as my guide in making choices that I wanna make, the type of work I wanna do, the people that I want to hang out with, the habits that I have in my life, where I spend my time, my energy, because as an energy alchemist, I have to be really aware of that. Um, My personal values are growth, adventure, and love. So let me give you an example of uh, one of them. Sure. Uh, So adventure shows up both with me personally and in the business. And there's always a sense of adventure with imaginal ventures. Even the name (laughs) is like (laughs) on the edge of adventure. But for me, I believe that life needs to be an adventure. That if it's not, if I'm not on the edge and I'm not really facing a lot of my fears or my growth potential, it just doesn't feel like what I should be doing. So I know it's a core value of mine. Because if you called me up, Larissa, tomorrow, and you said to me, Dorothy, I know of this great adventure, and I'd like you to come on it with me, I would be like, sign me up. (laughs) I'm at the door. My bag is packed. Off I go.
0: Don't even need the details.
1: Don't need the details. (laughs) Hopefully we can get on a plane, not for the next year, but so I, and I also spend money, lots of money. That's a, a behavior that I have that would tell somebody who knew me that I love adventures. So I'm always like, let's go, let's learn cross country skiing. Let's try this. Let's try that. So how it shows up in the business is, is very similar. We um, we have come together as part of our shared vision is also looking at the values of the business and then what are the behaviors that we show with each other. And so, for example, on adventure, one of the behaviors that we said is be global in our mindset. Another one, this is, of course, my favorite, just do it even when you're afraid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you can see how... As a, as a leader, you have to be really clear about what what is that what is that basic philosophy. What is what are the principles that drive your life? What's important to you? What stand do you want to take? Because it's only through self examination that you're going to be able to embody that and have it come alive in your business. And that's an adventure.
0: <laughs> that it is, definitely. Do you want to share the um, the values of Imaginal Venture
1: and its purpose? Sure. So the purpose of Imaginal Ventures is to shift the collective consciousness in business as a force for good. And we are guided by our values of collaboration, love, and adventure. And we believe by building trust that it creates a stabilizing effect for society and helps us to build a more inclusive, sustainable economy.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today, Dorothy. It was such a pleasure to be able to hang out with you and just, I love hearing the stories about Imaginal Ventures and all the great things that we are doing.
1: Well, thank you, Larissa. I love our collaboration. I love the adventure and I love the experience. So thank you.
0: If you'd like to learn more, please follow us on Facebook at Imaginal Ventures or visit our website at ImaginalVentures.com.